0: Remember, you're allowed to be on your smartphone in our church. So this is for because there's a few visitors here today. They might not know this, but you all know our website because you've been helping me say it every week. It's vineyardcc.org, O-R-G. and if you go there, and if you're on a smartphone, you just swipe once, and it's got uh, today's message or latest message. That's what it says, and all the notes that you're about to be spoken to about will be right there. You can make your own notes in there as well, and then you can email it to yourself afterwards. But you're just not allowed to respond to Facebook messages or Snapchat. Tra- you know, keep the keep the streak going. You can't do any of that during church. The Holy Spirit is watching. Okay. good. <laughs> well, that's what Snapchat is. It's about streaks. It's about. I don't, know, I don't use it. I just, the kids tell me. Oh, oh! Now I'm in trouble. So there's birthdays as well. Um, and you can blame your mother, okay? So it's my daughter's birthday, and we have a little birthday tradition thing. Normally you would stand up on your chair and we would sing up your birthday, but instead, because there's people at home, and they're like, get on with the message, sorry, uh, we're going to celebrate birthdays. So Melody, you have to come up here. Now, it was also uh, Taya's tomorrow. Taya, you come up here. You don't, You can, You can come. Come and hold Melody's hand. Was there one more? Christine's, but... Oh, Ros- Rosario. Rosario, you ca- oh, you've already been in front of the camera. You can stay there. That's- Unless you want to come. Would you like to come? Yeah, come on. Rosario turned the young age of 81. Is that everyone? It was Christine as well, but she's not here today. Any other takers? Anyone else want to be famous? No? Okay. So you just got to look right down there and wave to all the internet people. Say hello. We're going to sing happy birthday to them. Ready? Happy Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Melody, Rosario and Taya. Happy birthday to you, hip hip, hip hip, hip hip, another big hand, good job, high five, no we can't do high fives, elbows, good job, elbows, it's a a birthday elbow, alright, now are we ready for the word? Finally, Pastor Jeremy, stop talking.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we we were looking last week at um, living our life following God's will, not our will. Building God's house. Unless God builds the house, those who build it, build it in vain. We're going to continue along a, a similar theme, but today I want to talk about living under God's mission. So living under God's mission, and this is a little bit of a play on words that we'll get to, but God's mission is so much bigger than us, and I like that. I like being part of something that is a lot bigger than just me. And so today, we want to have a look at the disciple Peter. I believe we can learn a lot from Peter. I'm actually really glad that Jesus called Peter to be his disciple. Because of all the ones, he probably made the most mistakes. And I probably identify with Peter the most. Because <laughs> it's like, yep, that'd be me. <laughs> that would be me. All right. I was trying to find a picture of someone standing underneath a large building. Um But I couldn't quite get it. But you can can imagine how small someone would look next to that, right? Living under God's mission is living under something much, much bigger than yourself. Much bigger than yourself. And it's exciting. It's amazing. But you may not see the full picture from the outset. And so we uh, we have certain things that we can learn from Peter. And so we're going to get into that. We're going to look at one of the very um, earliest memories or, or accounts of Peter meeting Jesus. And um, so we're going to turn to Luke chapter five, if you've got your, your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter five, and um, we're going to read from one to 11. Now, I don't, Think I put that in there? No, sorry, that's funny. We'll look at that in a minute. All right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay, so Luke five one to eleven is in the notes. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from then and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered. Did Jesus ask a question just then? You see this all the time. Simon's got an answer for everything. (laughs) Simon, you weren't asked a question. You were told, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answers, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But he's so gracious. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net so good of you, Simon, to be so willing, you know. Jesus has a blessing for him, and he says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a catch. Simon says, well, at your word, I will let down the net. I'm not going all out here. I've been out all night and caught nothing. I don't want to, like, diss you or anything because you're, like, pretty cool. I'm the fisherman, so I'll humour you. I'll just, um, see, look, I let down my net. <laughs> I think Jesus was the one who had, uh, had the silent smile in that moment because he knew what was coming. Verse 6, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Wow, that's a really different attitude from what Peter started out with, isn't it? He started out with, I'll just let down a net. You're a pretty good teacher, so I'd like to give you a bit of humor. I'll just let down the net. And then he finally goes, Oh my goodness, how bad do I feel? You had a blessing beyond what I could imagine waiting for me. And I was so half hearted in my response to you. I was so, you know, blase about what you were asking me to do. I thought I knew better. Thankfully, nobody in this room ever has moments like that. I know that none of you ever feel like you know better. But Peter definitely had that moment and then it cut him to the heart. And, you know, the very thing that he'd been toiling all night for meant nothing in the light of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. It says he forsook all. They brought in a boatload of fish and left it there. I don't know of any fisherman who would walk away from a boat sinking load of fish. But something about Jesus made it worthwhile to leave everything else and follow him. That was the moment that Peter became a follower of Jesus. Do you remember the moment you became a follower of Jesus? Why? Why did you follow Jesus? I mean, there's so many other gods out there. There's so many other uh, belief systems. What was it about Jesus that captivated you? Why are you following Jesus? Can you, can you tell someone if they were to ask you, well, why do you follow Jesus? Do you have an answer? Do you have a reason? I can imagine Peter saying, hey, come with me. See that boat there? Let me tell you about the day. That I decided to follow Jesus. Whew. You've never seen anything like it. He had such a story to tell. He became a follower of Jesus. Now, Peter went from being a follower to a disciple to an apostle. And with each progression came greater responsibility to love and serve others. Peter learned from the Lord and he grew in the Lord. And, and God used Peter to help instruct others now in his ways. He wrote First and Second Peter. So we're going to have some valuable lessons from the life of Peter today and from the, the epistles that he wrote. Um, okay, so the first letter that Peter wrote, 1 Peter, has five chapters. Interestingly, submission is mentioned five times in one little letter that he wrote. Five times Peter talks about submission. Now, the title of my message was Coming Under God's Mission, Living Under God's Mission, which is like submission. But let me tell you what submission is not. I'm sure most of you remember this. Do you remember seeing this on TV when uh, there wasn't enough toilet paper, oh, my goodness, people went crazy. They were fighting in the supermarkets. Nobody wanted anybody else to have it because they knew they needed it more, and there was all kinds of stuff going on. Look at this. Just in case you run out, (laughs) you better have a trolley full of toilet paper. I hope it tastes good, because you know, if you run out of food, that's going to last them a while. Um, there seems to be something in, inherent in our nature that we feel like we know how to do things better. These people, I'm sure, are feeling like they know what's best to look after themselves. I reckon they're still going on that hate. Hey? <laughs> They're probably trying to give it away to neighbours. Please help me out here. All right. Just something a little bit funny. Okay. So what does submission mean? Now, this I found really fascinating. This is from the Oxford Dictionary, okay? And it says, it's a noun, the action of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. And a sub-meaning to that is humility and meekness. So that's pretty, pretty cool. I reckon that's close to the Bible definition where you are accepting or yielding to the will of another authority or person. But look at the Collins Dictionary. This, this surprised me. Oh, not that one. <laughs> oh, didn't I put it in? I thought I did. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I'll go back to that picture because um, I want to go to this one. Collins Dictionary, submission is a state in which people um, can no longer do what they want to do because they've been brought under the control of someone else. That is very different, isn't it? And whoever wrote the Collins dictionary, presuming he might have been called Collins, but um, anyway, his view is coming out in this, isn't it? His view is really coming out. Oh. <laughs> you don't have don't All right, I think this is what most people think when we use the word submission yeah. I don't get to do what I want to do. And we don't like that. So, we don't like that at all. We think we have rights. We should be allowed to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Why should someone else tell me what to do? You see this all the time in the workplace. You see it in the schools. I work in a school. And you see it all the time with students. You can't tell me what to do. What do you know? Ha. Oh, I know I need patience right now with you. Man, they don't, this, there's a whole generation that doesn't want to be told, that don't want to listen. I won't be brought down. I won't be. This, this is their definition, I think, our current generation of submission. Oh, submission is just having someone come and control you. They like to think that submission means you can't do what you want to do. Now, you know, the reason that God tells us about submission is because he usually has a very valid reason for telling us not to do something. He's usually keeping us for something. But we have a bit of a purpose. We have a goal. We go, right, I'm going this direction. And then we feel God say, actually, you need to go that way. And it doesn't make sense. So we have a choice. Do we submit or do we think we know better? Now, Jeremy, I actually need you to jump on that camera because I'm going to move and you need to follow me with the camera, please. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's all right. We take rookies too. Okay, so um, I want to go through this door and out the front door. That's my plan. I'm heading towards the door. But I feel like, mm, maybe God's saying I should go the long way around. And I don't want to listen because that's extra steps. And I don't need extra steps today. I just want to get where I'm going, right? So, nah, nah, there's no logical reason why I shouldn't go through this door, is there? No logical reason. The door opens. It's fine. I'm on my way. I'm going to do things my way. I'm, Getting out of here. <laughs> okay. That's enough. Thank you. <laughs> uh, oh, he's still at it. Oh, hey, you're reading my Bible. Okay. <laughs> Bible rescue Timothy. Stop shooting me now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You see, the Bible tells us that the devil is a schemer. (laughs) I think there's a schemer on the front seat too. Okay, the devil is a schemer. Now, we can't see what he's scheming up, but God can. And when we listen to God, there's actually a reason he's telling us what he's telling us, right? There's a reason he's saying what he's saying. If we can just let go of our need to be right or do it our way, we will actually enter into the greatest blessing that we've ever had. The greatest blessing. Okay, so I want to go back to the Oxford Dictionary submission. The action of accepting or yielding to a superior force or the will or authority of another person humility and meekness. I would like to add another word in there, the action of willingly accepting or yielding. That's what submission is, the Bible submission. And when you willingly yield to the Lord, now we can go to my picture. How cool is that? See that kid's coming under something and he's not sad at all. He's joyful, carefree and happy. Because someone else is looking after him. Right? But let's look at the picture that I picked to go with this definition of submission. <laughs> Do you know what title was when I found this picture online? It said, Under House Arrest. <laughs> right? That guy looks so sad. He just wants to get out, he feels he's being mistreated. And there's a big difference there, huge difference. You see, it's a different way of thinking. Bible submission is not how can you serve my purpose, which is what we're sort of taught today. Everything's about me. How can you serve me? I go into the store, how can you serve me? I go to university, how can you serve my purposes? But there's another way, the Bible way is how can I serve God's purposes? It's completely polar opposite. And we're going to have a look at this in um, 1 Peter. So I just want to pick out some key verses from 1 Peter. I'm not going to read all of these, uh, but I want to go over the five different times he mentions submission. And can I just say, I think biblical submission would be better labelled coming under the mission of another, looking out for their interest and not just your own, seeking to serve the purpose of another. Now, where I work in the school, we are a Christian school and we have one main goal, to be the light of the world to those kids. And everything we do comes back to that one focus, how can we be a light in the darkness? And So, little things that happen throughout the day, things that we're asked to do, whatever. To me, I'm coming under the mission of what is the purpose of that school. And all the little things I'm asked to do, I'm happy to do it because I see the mission that I'm serving. It's not a person that I'm just going, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. It's that I see a greater mission... And all those little things need to be done to get that mission to happen. And and this is how I see what God is saying through Peter. And, you know, Peter learned so much. We we have another account of him, you know, uh, and all the other disciples in a boat. There's a storm raging. Jesus isn't with them. And next thing they see, Jesus walking on the water towards them. And there's another account. You know, Peter says, if that's really you, let tell me to come. And he steps out and he walks on the water for a little bit. Peter had all these incredible experiences with Jesus. Another time he was up on the mountain. And um, there was only three disciples that Jesus took, Peter, James, and John, and goes up to the mountain. And he's transfigured. He's displayed in all his heavenly glory. And Peter is part of that moment. And it says, at least three times, I think, in that passage as well, Peter answered. And again, no one was asking him anything. But Peter answers, wow, it's really good that I'm here. You know, we're going to build some tabernacles and going to do all this stuff. And finally, God goes, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. In other words, shh, you know, (laughs) the polite way of saying shh. For once, Peter, please. It's not your moment. But Peter's had so many encounters, so much he's seen Jesus do. He's seen so many miracles. He's just, he's in awe of this Jesus. And then he, he's now on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the resurrection, on the other side of Jesus ascending to heaven. He's now been commissioned to go and take the gospel into all the world. And he's now writing to a church and a group of people in the churches, and he's instructing them. This is the the Peter that has seen and done so much with the Lord. And this is his instructions to the church. So in 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17, he instructs instructs us to submit to our governing authorities, to honour all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honour the king. So he's saying, submit to governing authorities. Now, obviously, if it's contrary to what Jesus has said in the Bible, we know we first have to honour Jesus and his commands. But he's saying, "Unless, unless it's totally contrary to the word of God, you don't need to be troublemakers in society. You know what I really dislike about social media is that everybody suddenly is an expert on everything they know nothing about. (laughs) And it really annoys me. How many people... Everybody has an opinion, whether it's a researched opinion or not, whether it's even a valid opinion, because they know what they're talking about. But everybody has an opinion. And there's no... You don't really see meekness and humility on Facebook, do you? I mean that is the forum where it's, I'm having my say and it's my way. (laughs) I don't care really what you want to say because I'm having my say. Um, Peter's going, look, there's a completely different way to live. There's a way to live that is not abrasive, that is not, you know, antagonistic. You can actually live in a way that you're submitting to the general laws of the land, you know. Let's not do 80 in a 40 zone. Let's let's submit to the laws of the land. Even if we want to, let's do what's right. Then in 1 Peter 2, 18 to 20, he says, servants, be submissive to their masters. Now, if we were looking at the Collins Dictionary idea of submission, um, we would say they're already submitting to their masters because someone has control over them. But that's not the case. Um, Bible submission is willingly putting yourself under someone else's mission. Can you imagine a Christian servant presenting to a non-Christian master with a smile on his face, beaming with joy? What can I do for you today? How can I bless you? You'd like that done? I'll get right onto it. I reckon that alone would cause him to ponder the kind of salvation that he has, the kind of God that he serves. There's something tremendously powerful about submission, which we will find. Then in 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6, where he instructs wives to submit to their husbands. Have you ever seen a company with two CEOs? Why not? Doesn't that sound logical to have a second opinion? No. No. How many rudders does the ship have? One. Right. So God's order of things is for a man to be the head of the home and a woman to come under his mission. Now, that doesn't mean that she doesn't have a voice because in a marriage, women are pretty good at having a voice. (laughs) We're good at putting our input in. But someone's got to ultimately say, yep, this is what we're going to do. And that's what God is saying. Women, submit to your husbands. Then he has husbands, love your wives. Do you know, it's really easy to submit to someone and get behind someone and, and be all in with someone that you know absolutely has your back. Like It's easy to, for me to submit to Jeremy because I know he's got my back. In fact, I would pity anyone who who hurt me. (laughs) I would be worried for them because I know my husband's got my back. I know he loves me and he cherishes me and he's going to look after me. Always. And that's why we can have this beautiful relationship that he's the head of the house. And it's easy for me to submit to him because I know he loves me. The Bible's way is the best way. 1 Peter 5.5 5 instructs younger people to submit to their elders. Now, again, it's a bit like me going, well, I want to go through that door and I want to do it my way. Younger people, I know you think that older people don't have a clue. But the Bible says submit to your elders because they have actually been your age once. <laughs> They do know what it's like. And they've lived longer to know more to help instruct you and maybe save you the pitfalls they went through. Why why make the same mistakes as the people before us if we can learn from them? We'll make plenty of our own anyway. Younger people, submit to your elders. And then 1 Peter 5.5 5 instructs us all to be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Now, I want to suggest something. Humility is the most beautiful garment anyone can wear. Humility is stunning. And it, it may seem like a strange thing to say, but, you know, if you're truly humble of heart, it means that there's room in your heart for other people. It means there's room for you to genuinely care about other people. You know, if someone has, has, like, done really well and a massive achievement, someone clothed with humility can truly rejoice in their achievement with them without feeling threatened, without feeling uh, like they're comparing themselves, without feeling inferior, It's amazing. Like, you know, a a lot of my teenage years, I struggled with inferiority. And it's such a miracle that I'm even standing here and I can look you all in the eye. Because when I was a teenager, if you were talking to me, I was looking at the ground. I could not look anyone in the eye. I was so inferior in myself. So inferior. I just, you know, I remember meeting this amazing man of God... He was a children's pastor and, and just had so much love of God. And um, when, I, when I met him, I could not even look at him. I, was, I just felt so inferior in his presence. And he actually put his hand under my chin and he said, next time I see you, you'll be able to look at me. And um, I haven't seen him again. He was from America. So maybe in heaven I'll say, look, I'm looking at you. <laughs> God did an amazing work in me. And, um, and and. but you know, what deals with inferiority is actually humility. Because you don't need to be the best to feel okay about yourself. If you're humble, you know that any gifting you have is from God anyway. And any desire you have is just to do His will and just to give Him glory, it's not about you. So, it it, you know, it suddenly is a safe place to be. Humility is a really safe place to be because you have nothing to prove. If you've got to be the grand one, you better not have a bad day. (laughs) But if you're willing to just live your life that he's the grand one and everybody look at him. My life is pointing to him. You've got nothing to lose. People aren't looking to you to be the best. They're looking at the best. And uh, isn't that what a mirror is all about? Aren't we supposed to be a reflection of him and his glory? So Peter instructs us to be submissive to one another. Now, this is so easy said and not always easy to do because you might have a group of people and they're talking about a project that needs to be done and you know that you have the best way to get that project done but nobody else can see it your way, right? What do you do? Maybe that's the point you can be submissive. Go, "Hmm, that's all right. Does it really matter at the end of the day? How many times I have heard the story from various people and they've talked about a breakdown in relationships and they go, well, we haven't spoken in however many years. And you say, wow, must have been very significant. What did you fight about? I don't remember. (laughs) That amazes me. And yet I've heard it so many times. The fight was so long ago, they don't even remember what they fought about anymore, but they're still not talking. And, and you look at it and you go, well, was it really worth it? Is it worth that we have to be right to the point that it breaks down relationships? Or does it really matter in the end? And I have to, I have to work on this, I know, uh, with the kids. They'll be doing something and I have to decide maybe it wasn't the way I would do it. But does it really matter in the end? Probably not. In the light of eternity, a lot of stuff doesn't matter, hey? (laughs) Be clothed with humility. All right. Okay, I want you to have a very close look at this picture. If you can't see online, I've got a picture of a ladder here. So I want you to look at it very, very closely and tell me which rung of the ladder is the most important in that ladder. The first one? Are you totally sure about that? Oh, you could probably still reach the second step if the first one wasn't there. Do you need the one in the middle? Could we take it out? What about the one right at the top? Okay. Did you notice they're all exactly the same? They're just in a different position. This is what I think is so strange in the world. I want to go up and up the ladder. The ladder's not really what it's about. No one gets a ladder because they want a ladder. They want a ladder because they want what the ladder can reach. So this is really just a means to an end. And I think as Christians, we are supposed to be a ladder to the world to get them to meet Jesus. And we're all rungs, regardless of where you're positioned, every step is needed. Everyone's important. Because you can't get to the very top one unless you've got all the ones in between. And this is how I see humility. It's realizing that I have a role, I have a place, I have a function within the kingdom of God. And maybe it doesn't look that grand, but it has an incredibly grand outcome. And that ladder is going to get someone where they need to go, where they couldn't reach on their own. Just like you, you carry the good news of the gospel. You can bring it to someone who could not have heard that without you. You are the means of them finding Jesus. There's actually nothing greater than that in all the world. Getting a chance to tell someone about Jesus. Now, I don't know if I um, have told you guys this story. Have I told you my story of going to the service station because I wanted potato scallops? Does that sound familiar, other than my Bible study group? (laughs) Okay. Well, I will tell you then. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at work, and I started having this craving for potato scallops. I mean, I am typing on the keyboard, and I am seeing potato scallops. (laughs) It was intense. To the point I turned to the lady I work with, I said, where can I get potato scallops in town? (laughs) And she's like, oh, well, the fish and chip shop will cook them. I'm like, no, 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 I want to get some on my way home. They need to already be cooked. And we couldn't really think of anywhere, so I just kept thinking about potato scallops and finished my work day, finished really late that day. Um, It was uh, nearly 5 o'clock and um, I'm supposed to finish at 3.30 and I was really exhausted. But just before I finished work the manager I work with, she put some worship music on and, oh, you know, it just refreshed me and I thought, oh, I got in the car. I'm going to keep playing worship music. That was just beautiful. So I put worship music on in the car and then I, you know, glanced in the rearview mirror and I went, oh my goodness, I looked like a wreck. <laughs> I looked like I'd had a big day and no makeup left, my hair was all like flat and I was like, oh, who cares? Anyway, I'm driving along. You need to buy potato scallops. Oh, I can't get away from it. Then I remember the little metro service station at the top of the hill on my way out of town has potato scallops. And I remember something else. The last time I bought them there, they were like rubber boots and I vowed I'd never buy them again. But it wouldn't leave me. Potato scallops. Potatoes. I get to the top of the hill. I pull over. I'm the only car in the car park. And I utter a quick little prayer. Can you make them better than last time? <laughs> and in I go. And I walk in. And I see a couple. in there. I say to the guy, can I have those potato scallops, please? And he's looking at me like this. And he gets them out, puts them in the bag. And he's still looking at me. And he, and he says, why are you so happy? Now, I'd just seen myself in the car, <laughs> but I'd been in this beautiful state of worship and obviously the remains of that were still on me because he said, why are you so happy? And, um, and I thought, oh, I don't know what to say. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, tell me about me. And I'm like, I said, oh, I've just finished work and, you know, I've been listening to music in the car. And he goes, oh. And he put salt on them for me and I pay. And, and he goes, but, but you're so happy. It must be good music. And now the Holy Spirit's going. <laughs> so I go, well, actually, I've been listening to music about Jesus. And it makes me so happy. And then I grabbed my potato scallops and I waved and out I went. And they They still tasted terrible. (laughs) But I realised that the only reason I wanted potato scallops was because God had someone on his mind. Jesus wanted to reach that man that day. And it wasn't about me. I was just a rung in the ladder. It was actually about that man finding Jesus. And I know that that whatever he saw on me was not natural. It had to be God because end of a big day, I'm not thinking about someone's salvation. I'm thinking about potato scallops. But I had been worshipping the Lord and his sweet presence wanted to go and bless that man. And, And so this is what submission is about. It's coming under his mission. Even when, look, we don't always understand. Sometimes it's like, It doesn't make sense. And maybe sometimes it won't make sense for years. But do you trust him enough that he's got your back and he's got your best interest in mind? Do you trust him enough that he's good and he is working things out for your good, even if it doesn't look like it right now? I want to finish with the last few scriptures here. Um, And I'm in... First Peter again. Uh, I think I actually have these ones. The last thing about submission is the mighty power of it in our life. Let's read this together. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud... But gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves, sorry, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, we'll get to verse 10 in just a minute. There's something about reading the scripture out loud, isn't there? It it gets from here into here. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And it's a comma, not a full stop. So he's a con- continuing this thought, casting all your care upon him. You know, it actually takes humility to give something to God and know that you are not the one to take care of it. He is. You have to let it go. Does anyone else struggle with that? Wow, that's hard. But here's the key. He cares for you. He cares for you. Hang on, let's change the emphasis. He cares for you. God cares for you. You might think nobody cares what happens to me. Nobody sees what I'm going through. He cares for you. He sees everything you're going through and he cares for you. And out of this humility and submission, we're then called to be sober and vigilant. Because just like there was a little schemer out there with a water gun, there's a much, much greater schemer with not innocent plans. He's an adversary, he's seeking whom he may devour. And this is our protection, is that we cast our care on the Lord and we stay submitted to him. You know, God always does things so opposite. Most times you think of going into battle, that you're the one with all the guns blazing. But this one is going into battle under a covering. Under a covering. We're under the mission of God. Therefore, we are not fighting our own battles, but he is fighting for us. If God is fighting for you, you have no chance of losing unless you try and fight for yourself. When you fight for yourself, then it's up to you. I want to look at verse 10 now. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect Establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, we are going to suffer in this life. Things aren't always going to go our way, things are going to be hard. But there's a purpose. If we stay submitted to God, even if it's not the direct route we wanted to take, He begins to work in us. He begins to perfect us, establish us, strengthen us, and settle us. What a promise. See, Peter had to learn submission to obey God's will. Do you remember when he tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross? Peter's like, no, you are never going to die, Jesus. Jesus actually said, get behind me, Satan. You are trying to stop me from the very purpose that I was born for. I was born to give my life. But Peter's flesh could not comprehend how that could be part of God's plan. That doesn't sound like a loving God to make his son die. What? None of this made sense. Peter had to learn to submit to God's plan, to his purpose. Let's have a look at this last scripture together, 1 Peter four, one to three. It says, "Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God." See the change there? Not living for yourself any longer. Living for the will of God. We have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Sorry. So true. We've spent enough time on our flesh. Now it's time we we get about our father's business. Let's be doing what God wants us to do. You know the exciting thing? When you switch over from living life according to your plan and you switch to living life according to God's plan, do you remember what happened when Peter walked down the street? Just his shadow healed the sick because he was constantly about his father's business. He went from answering back all the time To saying, not my will, but yours. And when you have a surrendered life, it is a powerful life. It is so powerful that people will be impacted just by your presence. Like that man wondering, why am I so happy? There was the presence of God on my life. And he wasn't seeing me. He was seeing Jesus shining out through me. May that be my story every moment of the day, that my life is a reflection of him. I want to finish with this because it says finally, so it must be the last bit. (laughs) Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Next time you feel like getting upset at someone, I'm going to speak to myself here. Maybe I need to remember how many times I've failed first. (laughs) Before I let your failure bother me, maybe I should remember my own. Have compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous. Isn't it, I just feel like, I kind of just had a moment, I feel really embarrassed that God had to put that in the Bible. (laughs) We should be courteous, shouldn't we? We should know how to do that. But sometimes, sometimes we need the reminder, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Remember what I was saying at the very start, he wants to bless us. Do you remember Peter? Okay, I'll let down my net. But Wow, what a blessing God has in store for all of us. He's not asking us to, to live in servitude to him so that we have a miserable life. He's asking us to submit to him so that we have the best life. That we have a life free of all the entanglements of sin. A life free to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with his joy, filled with his peace filled with his love, that is the kind of life that I want. I want to live under God's mission. Would you stand to your feet with me today? We're just going to take a moment. We always like to give opportunity for people to receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. You know, you may not be a follower of Jesus yet. But today is your day. Just like Peter had an encounter with Jesus that completely changed him. And he became a follower of Jesus from that moment. Today I want to open up an opportunity that you can become a follower of Jesus. So while eyes are closed and heads about in this place, if you would like to open your heart up to a God who's got your back, who loves you, who's never going to fail you, never going to let you down. If you want to open up your heart to him and say, today I want to follow Jesus, not my will, but his from now on. I just want you to raise your hand. Anita, that's me. Count me in. I want to be part of your prayer today. And for those watching online, you can raise your hand at home. Anita, pray with me. I want this Jesus that you've been talking about. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's not um, a magic uh, prayer or anything like that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. It's about who you put your trust in for eternity. So if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm going to say a simple prayer. You repeat it after me. Heavenly Father... I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. I put my trust in Jesus Christ alone. Wash me of my sins and make me part of your family. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, someone somewhere online has just said a prayer today that has changed their eternal destination. So can we give God a hand for that? Because he's so great. He's so good. Praise you, Father. Lord, I thank you for your people here, Lord. I thank you for those watching online. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be submitted to you in all things in our life. Lord, that our lives may be full of you. Full of your power, full of your glory, that people looking at us will see a reflection of Jesus, and that Father, they will be impacted for eternity. And Lord, we thank you that you you did rescue us. You love us, and Lord, may our week be filled with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Can we
0: thank and.